Sports Talk, where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Second hour of our show. Great to have you with us. Our thanks to Dave Meeks of USA Today. We discussed the coaches' poll in the last half hour that USA Today puts out. Penn State starting at number nine in the coaches' poll with the opener September 1st at Beaver Stadium against Appalachian State. Opening half hour, it was Matt Leon from KYW in Philadelphia talking about the Eagles and the Phillies. We'll talk more about the Phillies in just a few moments. Uh, The Show today is brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, 103 years in our area. You know what the, one of the great gauges of any business? Repeat customers. Sunbury Motors has so many repeat customers because the people that repeat as customers are the ones that are telling you what a great buying experience they've had. Well, they have a depth of repeat customers because they've had great buying experiences at Sunbury Motors. At Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Ah, uh, yes, let's start with the Phillies here. Our play-by-play call of the day. I hate to do this to you, Phillies fans, but it actually was the dramatic moment of the night in Major League Baseball. Last night, David Peralta homered in the ninth inning to make it 2-1 Phillies. Then they were able to scratch across another run. Uh, in the ninth inning to tie it up. And then in the 14th, Peralta was at the plate again. Sends this one pretty deep left center field. Fly ball. And they won it 3-2 over the Phillies last night. That was a heartbreaker. That's one that got away from the Phillies in last night's game. That one got away. I mean, there's certain games during the course of the season where you are able to pull the fat out of the fire and win. Mikel Franco was able to do that for the Phillies last week against the Marlins. Now the tables get turned and the D-backs do it to the Phillies last night. Now game two of the series is coming up tonight. 9.05 the airtime, 9.40 first pitch here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. And then the two teams will have getaway day tomorrow in this time slot. So we'll have no show tomorrow but return on Thursday. All right, let's get to some great college football talk. I look forward to any time I get the the chance to spend with Phil Steele to talk college football, and we're able to steal a few minutes with Phil Steele today. Phil, welcome back, my friend. It is always great to hear you on the other end. Hey, Steve, always a pleasure talking to you, my friend. All right, so let's get to a lot of people want to know. It's the opening day camp, of course. uh, uh, Your thoughts on Penn State and on Trace McSorley. Well, I think Trace McSorley is going to be one of the top quarterbacks in the country this year. Uh, you take a look at the fact that the offense basically runs through him. He won't be relying on Saquon Barkley quite as much. I like the receiving core with Tompkins, Johnson, and even the true freshman Shorter. I think it's step right in and uh, earn a starting spot. And then he's operating behind an offensive line 
And let's face it, it's been pretty much a weakness since uh, Franklin got there. But now Franklin says for the first time it's a strength. So add it all up, good supporting cast. And the fact that McSorley is a, a senior now, I think he's going to have a big year and be one of the top quarterbacks in college football. In fact, uh, I list him right at the top of the uh, the players for Heisman, the Heisman Trophy this year. Yeah, well, look, if he's going to have the ball in his hands all the time, Phil, I mean, he has the ability to turn that because he's going to have his bo- the ball in his hands the entire time. Yeah, and he makes the decisions a lot of times yeah. of what the, what's going to happen on the play. Is it going to be a handoff? Is it going to be a pass? And, you know, he's almost like having an offensive coordinator on the field. If you take a look at the national championship game tape, Georgia and Alabama, if you really watch that, the one thing I noticed right away in re-watching it, Phil, Alabama in that game played a lot of freshmen. How good is this now sophomore class for Alabama, and what can they mean to them moving forward? Yeah, and I think they're real good. In fact, you go back and look at the uh, experience chart ratings for Alabama over the past few years. Generally, they come into the season maybe a number 120, uh, 110 and on my experience chart, very low. This year, they actually step in as the number 50 team in the country experience-wise. So it's one of their most experienced teams that they've had. And uh, they've got two capable quarterbacks in Tunga Viola and Hertz. And then you take a look at the rest of the units. They're almost all in my top ten categories. Factor in the schedule this year, Alabama figures to be a double-digit favorite in every single game. Their toughest road game probably at LSU. And right now in Vegas, they're a 13-point dog or a favorite in that one. So a double-digit favorite in every game. Uh, believe it or not, Steve, I went and picked them to make the playoffs this year. Really, really? going out on a limb there. Yeah. Yeah. Holy cow. Jeez, Phil. I mean, did you just wake up and suddenly just take bold pills? <laughs> You're bold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I picked them number one last year for some strange reason, and they uh, they delivered again. So Ooh. it's uh it's a nice little, uh, nice little thing we got going there. Yeah, they do have a great thing going there. But he's also smart about it. He has not played a true road game uh, in a non-conference since 2011. Here, uh, he only played nine Power Five schools in the regular season last year. Almost everybody. So he does work the system well. Yeah, although you know Saban has said that uh, you know if they want to go to nine conference games, and in fact he's even thrown out. Why not play all Power 5 opponents, all 12 yep. games? So uh, it's a lot of times you're, the schedule made by the, uh, the the athletic director, and that's how they, they come up with it. But uh, this, this year's schedule, Taylor made, and believe it or not, he's only had one season. Uh, we're talking about Nick Saban here. One season where he's been an undefeated national champ. That's Normally right. there's a loss involved in there. This year looks like he's got a good shot at uh, being number two for the uh, unbeaten season. When you look at Ohio State, let's uh, let me, you know. Obviously, there's going to be the gray area in talking about them on this particular day. But just pure personnel. What kind of pure personnel do they have, in your opinion? Well, I like to see a team that's strong up front at the line of scrimmage, and Ohio State checks those boxes. In fact, they have my number seven rated offensive line in the country. Yes, with NFL prospects Michael Jordan at guard and Isaiah Prince at tackle. Defensively, they got Nick Boza, Draymond Jones. They are loaded up front. Uh, they have my number two D line in the country. So if you're strong up front, you're going to win a lot of games. They actually have 
My number three rated receiving core, Paris Campbell, is an NFL caliber guy. Yes. One of the best duos at running back in the country in J.K. Dobbins and Mike Weber. And I think Dwayne Haskins gives him that downfield passing threat that they were lacking a little bit under J.T. Baird, yet he still has mobility. So the Ohio State team, they are a complete team as well. They have my number seven special teams in the country, and uh, they pro- they will be favored in every game most likely. Right now, the toughest two road games are at Penn State, at Michigan State, and in Vegas, uh, the closest line for Ohio State all year is the game in Happy Valley where they're just a four-point favorite. You know, it's interesting, uh, Phil, is that you talk about the number seven special teams unit. That's the part where in this gray area as to how it turns out I think is going to be interesting because Urban is the guy that coaches special teams. Yeah, that is true. So, you know, I don't want to make a lot of speculations That's of right. what if and That's what right. happens. and But, at, you know, it, it'll be very interesting to see exactly what shakes out at Ohio State right. during the month of August. Right, because I agree with the evaluation, with especially with him coaching it. That sounds about right because he's – it was interesting. I, I, I was watching something about Belichick, and they were talking about how Belichick brilliantly is taking the NFL kickoff rule and he's kicking it down the two-yard line. Urban did that the first year they did it. <laughs> hey, right. Say, hey, so, <laughs> hey, come on. It stole from the college guys to do that. Uh, what is a unit that you look at? Uh, you do your, your unit ratings, but one unit that is number one, and there's to you there's a wide margin as to why they're number one. Uh, I'm going to have to go with the Clemson defensive line. Yes. And this is a line, yeah, this is a line that I thought – Last year, and once the season ended, I said, well, Clemson's going to be in a little bit of a rebuilding mode on the defensive line. They're going to have three guys leave early for the NFL (laughs) as they're all projected to be first, second, or third-round picks. And then one by one, each of those guys came back. You know, Clellan Farrell, Dexter Lawrence, Christian Wilkins, Austin Bryant, all four guys are considered first- or second-round draft picks next year, and they're all back for Clemson. And if you have a dominating defensive line, you know, look at how the NFL playoffs shook out last year. It was mostly dominating defensive lines. Right. College football the same. They may just have the best defense in college football based on that defensive line. All right. They mentioned defensive lines. Michigan is a really good defensive line. How do you look at Don Brown's defense? And then the the counter is, what, is, what does the offense have to do? Yeah, and, you know, with Michigan last year, uh, I got in a little hot water with the Michigan fans coming into the season because they were ranked number 11 in the AP poll, and I called them overrated. I mean, they only had five returning starters overall last year, one on defense, four on offense, and they struggled, as expected, eight and five. They had their moments last year, but they also came up with five losses. Now, this year... Uh, it's a completely different animal. The Wolverines have 17 returning starters. That defense goes from one returning starter to nine. Rashawn Gary looks like a first-round pick. Uh, Lavert Hill, a cornerback, looks like a potential first-round pick. And that defense last year with one returning starter allowed just 271 yards per game. I can't imagine them getting that much better, but this is an even better defense than last year, one of the best in the country. Now, offensively, the offensive line struggled, but it's a veteran group this year. Ben Breedison is a a guy that's an NFL-caliber guard, and I think they'll be be improved there. You look at the receiving core, 
Uh, they had a couple of true freshmen last year, Donovan Peoples-Jones and Tariq Black. Black was out for the year after three games. Peoples-Jones sort of waffled through his uh, true freshman season. I think those guys will have a bigger impact. The run game with Karan Higdon and uh, Chris Evans highlighting the uh, running backs. And then they add in Shea Patterson from Ole Miss, who's got 10 starts under his belt, and I think he'll do well with the offense. The offense doesn't have to be you know, 40 points per game, 450 yards per game with that defense, but I think they will be better on offense, and this is a dangerous Michigan team. And a team with a lot of personnel back. Michigan State, they have a lot of starters back, including their quarterback and their tailback. Yeah, and last year, 130 teams or 129 teams in college football. Michigan State was number 129 on the experience list. They had yeah. four returning starters, offense and defense. This year, completely different. They're up to number 13 on the experience list. And as you touched on, uh, nine starters on defense, 10 on offense. Brian Lewerke back at QB. L.J. Scott, I think he'll have his first 1,000-yard season, yeah. and the NFL scouts extremely high on him. If you watch their receiving core down the stretch last year, they made some fantastic grabs uh, for Lewerke. The offensive line practically intact, uh, with the exception of the center. And defensively, I looked at their D-line last year. I saw some walk-ons. I saw a lot of inexperience. And they still managed to have a great yeah. year, and now everybody's back up front. So that's going to be a very good D-line. They've got Justin Lane, Josiah Scott, at cornerback. It's a dangerous Michigan State team. And much like Penn State, Penn State faces one team on the road this year that had a winning record last year. Same thing with Michigan State. They're one team that they face on the road that had a winning record last year. just happens to be Penn State, and Penn State's off a bye. Yep, off a bye week, exactly. Penn State and the crossover is going to get Wisconsin this year. Uh, and that will be in November, so it will be a stretch run game. So with Hornerbrook, Taylor, and a couple of those linebackers, you know, Jack Ham's really high on Edwards, for example. What's your opinion on them? I think Wisconsin this year is a stronger team than they were last year yes. when they ran the table. They've got the number one offensive line in the country. I mean, they have three potential first-round picks on the O-line, and uh, their center uh, Biedas, uh, David Edwards, and Michael Dieter. They've got Jonathan Taylor back, a veteran quarterback. The receiving core got all banged up last year. Most of those guys are back. Defensively, they do only have uh, four starters returning, but I still like the talent, and I'm going to have to agree with uh, Ham there with uh, the linebacking core. Uh, I rate them one of the, the number two linebacking core in the country, and special teams solid as well. Now, the one thing I'll throw in about Wisconsin is last year, uh, they had five road games. All five road games came against teams that had losing records last year. Right. This year, their five road games are Iowa in Kinnick Stadium, Michigan in Ann Arbor, Northwestern, Penn State in Happy Valley, and Purdue. So all five road teams this year were in a bowl last year, and three of them are big-time opponents in tough locations. So I don't know if the Badgers are going to repeat going unbeaten like they did last year, even though, to me, this is a stronger team even than last year's squad. Phil, give me a team that some would consider without a lot of knowledge to be under the radar, but then you start looking at personnel, schedule, and setup that might uh, record-wise be better than some people perceive. Uh, I'll go with a, a surprise team, a team that uh, – two teams I'll throw at you real quick that uh, are non-top ten teams that I think could actually contend for a top spot. The first one is Texas. Yes. And, and Texas barely was 6-6 six and six last year. But if you follow uh, my Vegas Power Ratings article on ESPN, uh, every single week they were in the top 25 despite their record because they were very talented, had a lot of close losses. 
they actually had three net close losses last year, so we're three plays away from being a 10-win team. Uh, when I talked to Coach Herman this spring, he was unhappy last year with both the running backs and the offensive line, but I got the feeling that's going to get corrected, especially with Keontae Ingram coming in at running back. Trayton, the California transfer, Antonio Cardell now having experienced the O-line, brings in Herb Hand as the OL coach, yep. and uh, they've got two capable quarterbacks. They had the second-best defense in the Big 12 last year. They have a tough defense again, and right now in Vegas, despite coming off a 7-6 and six season, they're favored in every game except for one and that's when they play Oklahoma and Dallas. So I think Texas comes out of nowhere, and I actually have them in the top ten of my magazine. Okay. Then the other surprise team to look at is uh, Notre Dame. And Notre Dame's a team that was coming off a four-win season the previous year, uh, and I had them my number one most improved team in the country. They did not disappoint. They got up to the 10-win level and had a great season. Now this year, nine starters back on defense. I think they have one of the top defenses in the country offensively. Uh, they've got their quarterback back from last year and Winbush. The offensive line still looks solid. And then I really like their schedule this year. Their four true road games yeah. come against Wake Forest, Virginia Tech, Northwestern, and USC, all in the winnable category. They get Michigan at home. They get Stanford at home. They get Florida State at home in the cold. I think the Irish could be a surprise team as well this year. Just one final question, and this is about Texas. When you did talk to Tom Herman, Phil, what was the the read that you had as to how he feels about his quarterbacks? Because I mean, they really aren't you know they aren't his guys. He hasn't recruit you know put his guy in place yet that he recruited. So, what impression did you get from him? Uh, he actually likes both quarterbacks, and I'll tell you what, he didn't cut any corners when he uh, talked about the running backs or offensive line for last year. So he pretty much tells it like it is, and and he right. felt comfortable with both QBs, and also keep an eye on the true freshman quarterback, Cameron Rising, who actually exceeded his expectations in the spring. So they've, I think they've got three good quarterbacks and should end up with good quarterback play this year. Phil, brilliant as always. Thanks a lot. I know your time's valuable. I appreciate the fact you gave us some as always. Hey, always enjoy the conversation, Steve. Great talking football with you. Nobody does a better rundown than Phil Steele. Nobody. Uh, great to have him on the show. Now, last year I went into the nuts and bolts with Phil as to how he does this, he is constantly updating what he does during the course of the year for his magazine. Always. Uh, Phil has, I think, a dozen TVs where he's watching games on Saturday or maybe a Friday night, whatever it may be. And he's always looking and up, updating, upgrading. It, it's a constant process for him. You cannot be good at your job you know, or the, consider to be the best at your job unless you're, you have the ability that when you're, you know, that you've got a game plan out there that you can immerse yourself at certain moments in it where you're doing extra where other people are not. Phil Steele does the extra all the time. You can't, you can't be great unless you do the extra. He does the extra. And you could tell. I mean, I could have gotten in-depth with him on Cal recruiting. How about that? Cal recruiting. Like, possible freshmen that could play for Cal this year. Now, that wouldn't interest you. I mean, I only asked him questions that I thought would interest you, the audience. But if I wanted to sit there and say, you know, give me like three or four freshmen that could impact Cal this year, he could do it. That's because he's constantly updating and researching as to what he's doing with his magazine. He's outstanding.
Penn State football, uh, three practices. They went Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, Sunday was a pretty tough practice out in the heat, I can tell you that. Uh, And then they had yesterday off. And the reason they had yesterday off is that because the players are in class, summer session's not over with, you have to give them a mandatory day off. That was yesterday, as I explained in the first uh, half hour of the show. Then they'll go back to work today. Uh, They're not back until, I think, what, 520 this afternoon after the show's over with. And then uh, they'll go the rest of the week through Sunday, and the next day off they'll have will be next Monday. So that's the schedule. And we'll talk more about Penn State football in the next half hour with Ben Jones of StateCollege.com. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf on News Radio 1070 WKOK. At Sunbury Motor Company, the letters SMC mean a lot to us. Those letters stand for a tradition of trust since 1915. SMC. Stand for selling more cars. And satisfying more customers. SMC. It stands for Sunbury Motor Company. And when you need a Ford, Lincoln, Hyundai, or Kia, you have our lowest price promise. Log on to sunburymotors.com to see more choices and save more cash. And then you can say, start my car. I'll take it. SMC. In the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and routes 11 and 15. Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Final half hour of the show. Great to have you with us today on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Your home of the Philadelphia Phillies. Tough one for the Phillies last night. Up 2-0 in the bottom of the ninth inning. David Peralta homer to make it 2-1. Then the D-backs were able to get another run across the board. Sent it to extra innings. And finally in the bottom of the 14th, David Peralta hit his second homer. But this time a walk-off as the D-backs beat the Phillies 3-2 last night. For Arizona, their third walk-off win of the season. These things balance out. The Phillies had their big walk-off with Mikel Franco last week against the Marlins. Now it's the D-backs' turn to do it to the Phillies. Two teams will play again tonight here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. 9:40 the first pitch, and 9:05 will be the airtime. Then tomorrow in this time slot, it'll be the uh, Phillies and the D-backs getaway day at Chase Field, and we will have no show tomorrow, but we'll be back on Thursday and Friday to close out the week. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Uh, Penn State football uh, began practice on Friday. Media day was uh, Saturday, so everybody had a chance to talk with virtually everybody. Not everybody, but virtually everybody. I mean, you can't talk to the freshman. Manny Bowen was off limits uh, to talk with. Trace McSorley, they you know he had a press conference, so there's no need out in the field to talk with him. But everybody else was available, and uh, you're looking at a at a football team that I think is excited about what they can do. They're young in some spots. Linebacker, they're young. Uh, they're also young at the defensive tackle spots behind Robert Windsor and Kevin Givens. Although Antonio Shelton, I think, is a guy that has not talked a lot about but needs to uh, uh, get at least a little recognition as to what he is doing. Uh, I like Shelton. And another guy is Fred Hansard. Young, redshirt freshman, but really came on during the course of the spring. And then you've got Judge Culpepper and P.J. Mustafer there as well. So you actually have six guys there you can take a look at. But nobody, 
Shelton's one of those guys that goes under the radar and nobody talks about. I think he's a good football player who's going to help them at the defensive tackle spot. All right, let's get to BenJonesStateCollege.com, get his thoughts on Media Day and some of the nuggets he was able to delineate out of that. Ben, welcome back. It is great to have you with us. Hey, Steve. Good to be back. All right, so let's start. What was? Give me some nuggets that from Saturday that stuck out to you. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing is that everyone agrees that this team is talented in terms of the youth that is about to step up. But I think everyone is sort of waiting to see how fast they can get all of that talent together. And I think that's really sort of the narrative of this season. That is, you know, you've got to replace a lot of guys that knew what they were doing all the time and had seen everything. And you've got to be able to go out, play a tough schedule and do it with guys who are sort of not learning on the fly, but are experiencing a lot of these things for the first time. And I think everyone you talk to goes, yeah, there's no doubt that, that this team has talent. Um, you know, it's just a matter of how fast can you put it all together. Um, you know, there's little things like Torrance Brown's not going to be ready for week one. Obviously, the Manny Bowen news that he's back. Um, but it sounds like, you know, he's going to have to work his way into that rotation. But there's no doubt that he's talented enough. And they have enough questions at linebacker that you ought to think he'll be in that rotation sooner rather than later. But really, you know, as far as media days go, um, you know, it's a no news is good news sort of thing for Penn State. And I think, you know, as long as they stay healthy through camp and as long as guys are, you know, studying in the in the film room, you're going to see Penn State, uh, you know, growing much like it did in 2016 into a team that starts the season one way um, and finishes it probably very differently. And if you're James Franklin, that's certainly something you can be excited about. No question, uh, no question about that. Um, what did you get from the players when you had on field access? Um, you know, really, just that I think there is a. That, that sort of excitement about the talent that they have around there. I, I think, you know, I talked to Tommy Stevens a little bit. He was like, uh, you know, these freshmen are, are, you know, they're getting bigger and, excuse me, and stronger and faster than they were when he got there. Um, you know, Justin Shorter is not a guy that we got to talk to, but he's a receiver. Uh, the, the, the Trace McSorley, very excited about it. It's easy to see why, even though, you know, the media can't talk to freshmen their freshman year. You see him at practice. He's a big-bodied guy. Uh, Juwan Johnson looks like he had himself a good offseason in terms of, you know, just the physical aspects of everything. Um, and the offensive line, you know, I think we've probably said for the last six years that this year is going to be the year that Penn State's offensive line, uh, you know, is a strength of the team again. But I, I think they're really, you know, there's a belief that that's really going to happen. And I think there's a lot of evidence to suggest that. I thought Ricky Ronnie had a good point during his availability that, uh, you know, everybody says that the offensive line hasn't always been a strength, but it's hard to put up as many points as Penn State did the past few years and not have at least a functioning offensive line. So I think uh, there's a lot of truth to that. And I think this group, you know, Ryan Bates and those guys are excited to get going out there again because I think they finally feel, you know, when they're healthy and they're all in the places that they want to be, which really last year there was a lot of time with those guys shuffling around. Um, you get them all out there, you get them healthy, and you get the depth behind them. Uh, you know, that this this unit can finally truly be a strength of this offense. What are your thoughts on Connor McGovern? Um, you know, I mean, I think anytime that you've got a guy on that offensive line that's going to be able to anchor you and able to really quarterback, you know, that offensive line, um, you're going to have a lot of help um, with an offense that's going to have to figure out how it can run the ball with a guy that's not named Saquon Barkley <laughs> in pass protection. You know, yeah. all of these things are helpful. You know, he's 6'5", 326 pounds. He's a big dude. Um, and I think he's got a good rapport with Trace in, in that, that read option that they've been running and a lot of the things that they're doing when you've got, uh, you know, your center and quarterback on the same page making all the same sorts of reads. 
uh, that can go a long way. And I think he's a guy who's really grown into his role as the years have gone along. It's going to be a different look at tight end, obviously, because Mike Kosicki is one of the special pass-catching matchup nightmare tight ends that you've seen in college football in recent years. What's your thought on the tight end spot? It was kind of funny because, you know, I think, you know, Trace has gotten asked that question a lot because he's, he's so often the past few years have, have seen him just chuck it up to, to Mike and, and Mike will do these things that, you know, we've watched all these, these clips at Dolphins camp and you go, everyone, you know, in, in Miami is like, I can't believe you made that catch. And, you know, it's like Mike Gesicki made his entire career <laughs> off of making catches that you couldn't believe that he just made. That's right. Uh, but I, I think they, I remember when uh, I've, not quite learned his pronunciation yet, but Pat Firemouth was uh, at camp a couple of years ago at a, at a summer camp, and you watch that kid play, and you go, you know, he's a guy that's going to end up uh, getting an offer. He got an offer at that camp. Um, he's an athletic guy. He's six five, so he's not far off of what Mike was. Jonathan Holland's a guy who's been around forever. He's going to know the system. He's going to know what it takes to kind of take care of that. Danny Dalton's another guy. Um, you know, I think if, if there's any downside to how well Mike played. It's just that they've had some guys in waiting that haven't really gotten tons of opportunities. Um, you know, obviously you'd love to have Mike Kosicki every year if you're Penn State, but I think, uh, you know, there are a lot of options here in terms of who's going to get out there and get those reps. I think probably, you know, Glendon and uh, Dalton are the guys to look for right now. Nick Bowers can probably get some time as well. Uh, but it, it seems like right now it's an open, open season. But, you know, you can really say that about a lot of positions, you know, not named quarterback. Uh, for Penn State this year, that there's just a lot of places where they've got a lot of options. And, and that's really what you're recruiting well for is the ability to say, you know, we can play Jonathan Holland or we can play Danny Dalton or we can play Nick Bowers and all of these guys are going to get the job done for us. And, and ultimately, you know, that's the whole goal is, is and really what Penn State has missed over the years is not so much that their their top, their starters aren't good enough. It's just what makes Alabama so good, what makes Ohio State so good is you can go two or three guys down the depth chart. Right. and find somebody who's going to be just as productive. What, what's your thought on linebacker? Um, I mean, obviously the, the, the uh, Manny Bowen news is good if you're a Penn State fan because, you know, regardless of how much he was on and off the field the past few years, he's a talented guy, he's an athletic guy, um, and he's someone who's got experience. So I think you go out there and you bring him back into the mix, even if he doesn't start right away, that's going to be a help. And I think it's going to help guys like Micah Parsons, who, you know, for as athletic and as talented and naturally gifted as he is, you know, playing linebacker is a difficult position. Playing the Mike linebacker spot is a difficult position. They moved Micah outside. At least it seems that's going to be where he is for right now to make things a little easier for him. But there's no doubt that, you know, this is an area where they're the most question marks outside of maybe defensive tackle. I think Jesse Luquette is a guy that, that might be able to make some, you know, kind of crack uh, that rotation. He seems like he's had a good summer in the weight room. Uh, Jan Johnson, someone that people haven't been able to say enough mm-hmm. good things about. Koa Farma, obviously. Uh, we know what Co is capable of, um, and I think you know because of that they're going to be better for it. But there's no doubt, and we've seen it over the years. You lose a guy like Brandon Bell, um, and suddenly your Rose Bowl is taking a bit of a turn. So you know they've got to stay healthy. They've got to kind of figure this out together. But I, I think you know obviously having a guy like Manny Bowen back is going to help stabilize that group, especially in those early weeks. Uh, the the place kicking part of it, uh, how interesting is that going to be in terms of that competition? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, we're sort of used to Tyler Davis or Sam Ficken being the guy back there that's, that's kicking it, and you go into this year, and for the first time in a while, um, you know, there's not a good answer. Not that they don't have options, just that we've never seen these guys kick. And, and you know, I think the fact that Jake Pinegar is on campus, he was you know, the most highly touted guy of the group. He seems to have a strong leg. 
Um, you know, it, it's always watching a guy kick in practice. You have to take it with some amount of grain of salt because we've seen guys shank him and we've seen him hit him from 50 yards and then miss extra points. Um, so I, I do think it'll be interesting. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised, and I don't think that anyone has really said it. So I, I might just be wrong here, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if Blake Gillikin gets an opportunity out there to kick some kickoffs or maybe kick an extra point or kind of test his leg because he did it in high school. He's used to that pressure, and we all know that uh, you know it's easy to do stuff in practice. You got to be able to do it across across the road at Beaver Stadium and on the road. Um, I think ultimately, you know, James Franklin's been pretty steadfast that he wants different specialists focusing on different things. Um, so I think ultimately, you're gonna, in the very least, have a kickoff guy um, and a field goal guy in um, a punter, and they probably all won't be the same person. But you know, right now, it seems very much like it's an open competition, which is good because anybody who saw them practice in the spring, not to take away anything from Carson Landis and what he did in the blue-white game, he's probably the most active guy on the field that day. Um, you know, they, they they didn't really have a good answer at that kicking spot, but now that they've got Vlad Hilling, Jake, on different campus, you know, they've at least got a lot more options to work with now. Right, uh, definitely more options, no question. What do you think of the schedule, the way it's laid out, who they play? Um, you know, I think if you're Penn State, you're, you are excited and terrified about the prospect of playing Ohio State in September. I think, you know, you figure that Ohio State's going to be a better team at the end of the year than they are at the beginning. Um, you also figure that Penn State's probably going to be a better team at the end of the year than they are at the beginning. But I think, um, you know, if, if Penn State can get to that game undefeated and it seems more reasonable than not that, that that's a, a likelihood, even with some of the question marks that they might have, uh, you know, suddenly you're in the driver's seat. And there's no doubt. I, I think you look at the schedule, it's, it's on the road, it's at home, it's on the road, it's at home. They're playing, you know, everyone in the Big Ten East to, well, obviously, they're playing everyone in the Big Ten East, and they've got Wisconsin. You know, there's really not a week off. I think it's sort of, you know, I'm sure if, Penn, if James Franklin could change anything, he'd throw this 2016 team onto this schedule and flip them around and feel a lot better about his playoff chances just because there's no doubt that you're going to play four teams in the top 15, at least the preseason top 15, go on on the road in Michigan. You know, if Penn State can get through that, they're going to have as good of an argument as anybody to make the playoffs, obviously, a long way from that because I think, one of the first things that James Franklin said at his press conference um, was, you know, we've got a lot of question marks and we've got a tough schedule. And you, you look at what Penn State's done over the past few years and those those moments where they've had to have those back-to-back-to-back. Um, and obviously all of those games are close and decided in the final minutes. Uh, but it's not going to be easy. And I think it'll be interesting because they, they do really feel like they're talented enough to beat all of these teams. And I think you consider that some of the hardest games they're playing at Beaver Stadium and they haven't lost there in two years. Um, you know, you've got to feel any game that Trace McSorley's healthy in, any game where they've got a lot of their guys healthy, they're going to have a puncher's chance. But there's no doubt that the schedule um, will be fun for fans, but probably giving a lot of headaches to coaches. Ben, what do you think of the new redshirt rule that you can play up to four games and maintain eligibility? I think that's really a long time coming. I know James has said for a long time that he's wished that freshmen could be eligible in bowl games for that exact reason, to get them some time in a, in a game that, you know, obviously they care about the bowl, but just an opportunity to experience for these guys. And I think it's a great thing to do because, you know, in all fairness to Appalachian State and, and Pitt and, and Kent State and not to have people throw bricks through my window when I say this, those are games that Penn State ought to be able to, ought to, be able to win with relative ease, ought to be able to get some of those guys out there. You figure, you know, game time reps, are those are those are big guys for those guys' development. And maybe that game is over, but you can't simulate – uh, what it's like to be on the field at Beaver Stadium when the snaps count. And I think if you can get 
you know, it sounds like what they're going to do is they're going to use a lot of these freshmen in two early home games and then save the other two uh, for if anybody gets hurt and you can kind of plug a guy in here, here or there. Um, you know, I think it's a great opportunity for evaluation. It's a great opportunity for these guys to get some snaps. But obviously, uh, you know, there's always that balance there because you kind of have to finish the job before you start throwing in guys um, just for, you know, the sake of getting them out there. But I, I think it's fantastic, and I think it does a lot of these freshmen – uh, a really good service about being able to get them out there, have some experience and not have it count against their eligibility. Cause so often we see guys that have to get plugged in at the end of the year that, you know, for all intents and purposes, they're burning that red shirt season for three games and you go, it just doesn't seem fair to their careers. So now they can play four, probably going to play two. Um, you know, they're going to be better for it in the long run. Yeah. The, um, you know, everyone develops on their own clock. And so, and somebody might not be ready in game three, for example, but suddenly might be ready in game seven. And I always felt a few years back, remember, uh, Ben, uh, how often James Franklin talked about Ryan Bates and how they resisted the opportunity to put him in. And then, of course, it turned out, you know, they ended up redshirting him. But I think now that takes something like that off the table and makes, I think, some of those decisions what easier to find out what somebody can and can't do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there are a lot of guys probably that you want to know uh, where they where they stand in terms of their development and everything, and you can only see so much in practice. So if you can throw Ryan Bates out there for two games and go, well, now we know what we're working with, and then you know if you have to make that decision what you're going to get out of him later in the year. Um, you know, I think it's absolutely to the coach's benefit. Um, and really, you know, sometimes I feel like I, I certainly understand that people will game the system as much as they can in, in this world. Um, but I think ultimately sometimes college football gets a little overregulated. So I like the idea that, that these guys can get out there. They can keep their eligibility. Uh, but ultimately, everybody is just better for it. College football gets overregulated? No. <laughs> no. Hey, I'm not going to be able to wear my crop top into the press box anymore. I was a little disappointed about that. But. <laughs> All right, Ben. Thanks so much. Appreciate the time. Yep. Thanks for talking to you, Steve. Ben Jones, StayCollege.com. And, again, if you missed any of the interviews that we had today, go to the Steve Jones Show podcast, and uh, you can uh, listen to the interviews on the podcast. We have Matt Leon in the opening half hour today talking about the Phillies and about the Eagles. Uh, more on the Eagles and the Phillies, but some of the Phillies. But mostly on the Eagles in what has been a very quiet a fishing camp where the biggest news in camp so far is not Carson Wentz. I think everyone's expecting him to make incremental progress as time goes because he's coming off a torn ACL. But the fact that they re-signed to contract extensions, Doug Peterson and Howie Roseman, when that's the big news so far, that means you've had a pretty quiet and efficient camp, and that's what the Eagles have had to this point. Uh, so we talked to Matt about that in the opening half hour. Dave Meeks, USA Today, coach's poll came out. In USA Today, Dave, the editor of that, and Dave and I talked about that in the second half hour today. Penn State debuting at number nine in that poll, opener with Appalachian State September 1st at Beaver Stadium that you'll hear right here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Phil Steele, last half hour. Great to hear, uh, Phil, uh, breaking down everything in college football. Uh, I mostly concentrated, mostly when you go back and listen to the podcast on Penn State opponents. Yes, we talked about Ohio State. We talked Michigan. We talked Michigan State. We talked Wisconsin. Uh, a few others were sprinkled in there uh, with Phil. Uh, we had about 15 minutes with him, and I wanted to make sure we were as efficient with our 15 minutes as possible. 
with Phil because he's the best in the business. Uh, and then, of course, this half hour, we kept it local with Ben Jones of StayCollege.com, who does a great job covering the team and uh, discussed what he was able to get out of media day on Saturday. Uh, they practiced this Friday, Saturday, Sunday. As I mentioned earlier, they had yesterday off. They are in class. In fact, finals for the summer session will take place this week. Several players have finals on Friday, as a matter of fact. So that's what they have coming up this week schedule-wise. And then they'll go through the weekend. Their next day off is scheduled for next Monday. In fact, uh, James isn't going any Mondays. Then uh, that 13th would be the only time that they really could go because they start class on the 20th which is a Monday, and he always gives them the first day of class off anyway. And then he always gives them off Monday during the season. So they don't practice on Mondays, period. So that's the way they built the schedule. Uh, I'm just going to be interested to see the one week of practice I'm going to be really interested to see what they do with is the Illinois week because it's going to be the first time that Penn State has had to go through, under James Franklin, a short week. Uh, And playing Illinois on a Friday night, which includes a travel day on Thursday. So we'll see how they, you know, how he wants to handle that. That, I think, will be very interesting. All right, tomorrow, no show. Phillies play tonight, uh, looking to even the series after last night's tough loss, 3-2 on the Peralta walk-off in the 14th. Uh, they play tonight, 9-40, 9.05 the airtime on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Afternoon game tomorrow, then we're back on Thursday. Look forward to it. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Keywords 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf on News Radio 1070 WKOK.